the chief rabbi of Jerusalem was visiting the Pope in the Vatican, and he was in the Pope's offices, where he noticed on the Pope's desk a golden phone. And he asked what it was. And the Pope said, well, that's my direct line to God. I know I have something important. I can call God and talk to him directly. And the rabbi said, interesting. Do you mind if I use it? The Pope said, no, go right ahead. So the rabbi dialed up God. And he had a nice conversation for about 10 minutes. And afterwards, the rabbi said, I insist on paying the charges of that call. And the Pope said, no, not no, I couldn't accept it. But finally, the rabbi insisted so much. So the Pope checked on the phone's counter and said, the charges were $56. So a few weeks later, the Pope was visiting the rabbi in Jerusalem, and he was in his offices, and he noticed a similar golden phone. The Pope said, I didn't know you also had a phone. The rabbi says, actually, yeah, I do. The Pope said, you know, there's something I really need to talk to God about. Can I use the phone? The rabbi said, certainly. So the Pope called and talked to God for about 20 minutes. And uh, afterwards, the Pope insisted, of course, on paying for the charges. And the rabbi looked at, at the counter and he said, 35 cents. And the Pope said, only 35 cents? The rabbi smiled and said, well, from here, it's a local call. <laughs> now, Israel understood that Jerusalem was favored greatly by God. But more than that, that God dwelt in Jerusalem, in particular in the temple. Right? It was, in a sense, Jerusalem was the place where heaven came down to earth. And it was so hard then for the Israelites when the Jerusalem temple was destroyed initially by the Babylonians. And many of the prophets gave this hopeful vision of the restoration of Jerusalem. And that's what's happening in our first reading. Did you listen to it? How Isaiah was describing how we should re rejoice and exult in Jerusalem, what God's going to do. God's going to restore Jerusalem. He uses this beautiful image, right? As a mother nurses her babies and comforts her children, that will be the kind of comfort and joy and care we will receive from God through Jerusalem. He sees this vision of security and prosperity and flourishing. Jesus sends out 72 of his disciples to various towns and villages to announce that the kingdom of God was at hand. Now, what does it mean at hand? That he's saying the kingdom of God is coming here and now to you. It is coming very soon. And certainly they would have thought about these prophecies of God restoring Jerusalem. And as beautiful as an image as Isaiah gave, it can't match the reality of what God was intending to do. For God was not merely intending to, you know, make Jerusalem what it once was, but God's intent is to renew all of creation. It is to make a new heavens and a new earth of which Jerusalem is a symbol. I think sometimes when we think about the salvation that Jesus came to bring, we think of it in this way. Well, Jesus came so that after we die, we go to heaven. Right? Okay, and that's true. I'm not saying it's not true, but it's not the whole picture. Jesus came to bring God's kingdom here upon earth even now. And for a period of time after our death, our souls are separated from our bodies. And hopefully if we, if we die in a state of grace, we are with God. But that's not even the whole story because God is intending to make a whole new creation. 
which begins now. What do we say when we pray the Our Father? We say to God, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, don't misunderstand me, because some people have misunderstood this. It is not that Jesus expects us to create a perfect world, you know, through our own wisdom and technology. Many people have tried to create utopias and they've turned out poorly. Jesus said, the poor you'll always have with you. And yet, with the Christ event, we can experience now even the beginning of a healed and restored creation. Now, two of the principal signs that Jesus' disciples show to evidence the coming of the kingdom is that they heal the sick and they cast out demons. Right? They heal people and they liberate them. Another sign, interestingly, is how Jesus tells them to go out, not, not having extra money, right? Um, he tells them, for example, when you go to a house, stay in the house, the first house that accepts you. Why is he saying that? Well, because in our fallen world, many times people exploit religion for their own benefit, right? And there would be preachers who would go around and say they had some great message from God, and maybe someone would welcome them first, but then they would find a better offer at someone else's house. And they were constantly trying to get more, right? They were trying to benefit themselves. And so one of the signs of the kingdom is that the messengers of the kingdom are, so, are pretty much indifferent to wealth. And also, their trust in God's providence as they travel. That's why he wanted them not to take extra supplies. God, God is going to provide for them through the generosity of others. Right? What they need. So we have, this, we have to see this now. What Jesus is announcing, again, is not, not merely, okay, try to live a good life, you die and you go to heaven, but no. Heaven is coming to invade the earth. And we are to build colonies of heaven where we are, here and now. That is what a parish community is for. And there must be differences in our way of thinking, in our hearts, between how we go about things and how the world goes about things. What did St. Paul say in the second reading? The world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. He says that he boasts only of the cross of Christ. This is this amazing, crazy reality, this message that we share with others, that God himself suffered and died for love of us. And living from his grace, we imitate that sacrificial love. There's a book I've recommended before, and I'm, I'm sure 95% of you never decided to read it but I'm going to recommend it again. It's called How the Catholic Church Built Western Civilization by Thomas Woods. And it tells how basically uh, almost everything good in Western civilization came from Christianity and the Catholic Church. Um, the improved situation of women, um, human rights, the very idea of equal dignity of people, scientific progress, economic development, there's a chapter in there, he, talks just to, he just talks about the Benedictines. And the Benedictines spread many monasteries throughout Europe, which became uh, basically the centers of renewal of civilization. And uh, in many ways, learning and also even agricultural technology, towns built up around these monasteries. Um, and he has all the numbers, a, a tremendous contribution. He says, and then he quotes Jesus, he says, 
uh, when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be given you besides. That is, there have been tremendous civilizational benefits that have come from those who are messengers of God's kingdom. Those who are trying to live God's will here on earth. There's also a more recent book, uh, and I haven't read this one yet, but I've, I've heard the author give interviews. A man named Tom Holland, the book's called Dominion. And this is just published a couple years ago. Now, the interesting thing about him is he's not a Christian. He's not a believer. He, um, he was an expert in ancient history of Greece and Rome. But he began to think about how our society is so different from theirs in really key ways. And so he basically wrote, writes this book named Dominion. He describes the emergence of Christianity as the single most transformative development in Western history. Now, the book is an ambitious retelling of all of Christian history, focusing on certain themes. But near the end of the book, he's, he basically explains that, um, you know, to a modern secular atheist, basically, he's saying to them, you know those ideas of human rights, those ideas you have about caring for the poor? Guess what? Those all came from Christianity. <laughs> you may hate Christianity, but in fact, the value system that you hold dear, many important pillars of it come from Christianity. Jesus has given us a share in his mission, and he has given us power to make the kingdom present. Right? You know how the disciples were amazed as they were going out and announcing that Jesus was coming, and they would pray for people, and people would get better, and they, people who were oppressed by demons, they would pray for them, and the people would be set free. A couple of weeks ago, we had an event in this church with our neighboring uh, ecclesial community, Jesus Culture, in which we praise God together in song, and myself and the pastor there gave little messages, and there was a moment, how many of you were here for that? Just raise your hand. Okay, good number of you. So remember when he asks anyone if they need prayer to raise their hands, and then he invites people around them to pray for them. Now, I, I, I prayed for someone next to me, and I noticed, though, that um, it was the people, because the church was about half and half, half our parishioners, half from Jesus' culture, but it was, it, was their, it was their folks that immediately went to pray with people and had no hesitation about it. You know why? Because they do that. They practice that. They practice praying aloud for each other, praying for healing, praying for liberation from evil. I talked to two of our parishioners, women who I know have been going through very difficult times, and they were prayed over. And they told me it made such a difference. They experienced such peace and joy and hope. So I want to encourage all of you, <laughs> All of us, it's not a Protestant thing. It's a Christian thing. Right? Jesus gives us power right, over the evil spirits and gives us power to bring people health and restoration. And so we, we, should, we should begin to do that, trust in that, what Jesus has told us, what Jesus has given us. Jesus says he's sending them ahead to announce the kingdom is at hand. And really, really what is the kingdom? Because these towns, remember, are the ones Luke tells us that he intended to visit. The kingdom is Jesus himself, right? The kingdom is coming because Jesus is coming. Our message is a little different now because of what happens after this, right? We announce Jesus' arrival, but also his death and his resurrection we announce he is still here with us. 
and we announce he will come again, finally, to, to make everything perfect, to get rid of all evil. Jesus tells us to rejoice that our names are written in heaven. That is to say that we are citizens of heaven. Our names are, are registered there. What a wonderful thing on this 4th of July weekend I think about. My parents are naturalized citizens. Many of you are naturalized citizens. Many of us are so grateful uh, to be in this country. And yet to remember there's even a more important uh, sovereignty to which we belong, right? The kingdom of God. And that citizenship is open to everyone. Everyone is eligible. And the only thing that can keep you out is to refuse to repent of your sins and believe in Christ. There are many privileges to this citizenship. One of them is a direct line to God, and it's a local call.